0: As we continue to gather this morning, let's join our voices in the gathering words as they're printed in the bulletin or as they appear on the screens. If you're not familiar with this format, I'll read the words that are not bolded and um, you can read the ones that are. We gather in the presence of God. To breathe life into us. And shaped us in human form. God knows us completely. From the teacher's lounge to the lakeshore, God's love and grace are there for the faith filled and the faith questioning. God's love and grace abound.
1: Good morning, friends. I'm Amelia Richardson-Dress. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm one of the pastors here at UCC Longmont. You've already met Reverend Sarah Verasco this morning, our uh, bell choir, our music team, and perhaps in the gathering words and the bells, you've already experienced something that is calling to your spirit this morning. As we turn to being with each other in a way that is often different than how we get to be with each other during the rest of the week, this is a bit of a set apart time. And so I hope you are finding yourself settling into that time differently. UCC Longmont is a space uh, for people of all ages and abilities and walks and stages of life. So know that there is space for you here and whatever you are bringing with you this morning as you come into this space. We do have a staffed nursery in the back of the sanctuary, a coloring table for anybody who thinks better while their hands have something to do. And in a few minutes, any of the kids who would like to go to children's church will be invited to do that. But before we move to that time, let's take a moment to settle a little bit more deeply into this moment, recognizing that each breath that we take is a gift from God and that the spirit is said to come to us in breath and so you might find it helpful to close your eyes or to find a soft gaze or to focus perhaps on one of the candles and as we breathe in this morning breathe in the light of god and as you breathe out this morning breathe out the light of god to a world in need. If you would like to go to Children's Church this morning, you are welcome to do that. Lisa is just right here in the back, and she will show you the way down to room 12. Kids, come back towards the end of the service uh, while the grownups are still in here to make it easy to connect with their people.
0: This morning we are continuing our sermon series on decision points. And today we're going to explore finding our way with our guiding question of what's guiding you? What's guiding you as you find your way? And this question and this process of finding our way led me to think about Alyssa who has been our Sunday morning site supervisor. She's now in her fifth year doing this. So when she comes up, many of you are going to recognize her and she has a story to share with us about um, finding her way. The story that we're gonna read from scripture to begin with comes from Luke's gospel, starting in chapter five, verses one through 11. And let's listen to the wisdom and the guidance in this morning's scripture story about some fishermen who made a life-changing decision. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little away from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him.
2: gonna have to get higher, all right, Ooh. okay Can every, wolf? hang on, sorry. Let me play playing with it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> strong start, Tec- technical, technical strong start. Okay, hang on. Okay. Oh gosh, it's getting worse. It's getting better, okay. Is this, wolf? I'm just gonna do this. All right, <laughs> um, can everyone hear me all right? All right, so as Sarah said, my name is Alyssa and I am the Sunday site supervisor here. Um, You may know me as the person who says good morning to you and or hands you a bulletin, um, or during the service as the person who is randomly walking through the back of the sanctuary counting, I'm taking attendance. Um, But did you know that I have carried a backpack through miles and miles of dead trees, some of which were as high off the ground as my hip, or that I have slept outside in negative seven degrees Fahrenheit, or that I spent three days completely alone in the desert of Utah, all of these, all of these things, and more, I did on a 30-day backpacking trip through the nonprofit organization Outward Bound in October and November of 2020. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of what uh, decision making looked like for me before I went on this trip, um, and how um, taking this trip kind of fundamentally changed um, the way that I approach my life, and in particular. Um, decision making. So, before I went on Outward Bound, I really struggled with ever wanting to take any kind of risk. Um, I was a pretty intense perfectionist, and was, if I was concerned that I might fail at something, I just kind of wouldn't start it. Um, and I was very kind of dependent on just me. I kind of only trusted, I can't ask anyone else for help, Something has to happen, I have to be the one to do it. And I found that this led to a lot of isolation in my life. It made it really hard for me to reach out to anyone, um, to connect with people, um, to even just try anything new. Um, I might not even ask a friend out for coffee because I'd get so nervous about trying to pick where to go that I would think, I'm just not even gonna ask because I'm gonna pick a bad spot that they won't like and then we're gonna go there and they won't even wanna be my friends anymore. So I'm just gonna stay home. So this is kind of you know, what we're, what we're working with at the beginning. Um, and I really found that I, I was really limited in terms of what I had for confidence. I felt pretty listless um, in life, kind of like lacking purpose. Um, and then the pandemic hit and all of this um, was just compounded. And I just had this moment of wow, like, you know, in those summer months when we were all sitting at home going, what if I don't ever have the chance to go out and meet people face to face again? Like, uh uh-oh. And having this moment of, I don't wanna live like this anymore. I don't want to never get out of my comfort zone again. Like, something has to change. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew that it needed to happen. So July of 2020 rolls around, and I am out on a walk with my partner in Rabbit Mountain. Um, You all remember how clutch those walks were in the summer of 2020, Um, so we were out there. And she asked me if I had ever considered doing something like Outward Bound. And I kind of was like, no, no, I haven't ever thought about that. Um, And we kind of just left it at that. But I got home and I was like, I'll look at the website. So I pull up the website. Maybe some of you are familiar with Outward Bound, but if you're not, um, Outward Bound is a nonprofit that focuses on kind of um, uh, experiential learning, um, particularly through like challenging activities like backpacking, canoeing, all that kind of good stuff. And so I went through the website and I pretty quickly found an expedition that was in the Colorado Rockies near Leadville and then out in Utah for the other 15 days, so a 30-day trip in October. And I was like, well, this is fun. Um, Closed the tab and then went about my life. Um, But then I kept coming back to it. I kept pulling up the same web page over and over and I went back out to Rabbit Mountain and while I was out there, something in me just got very like quiet and still and said, you need to do this. I don't know why, but you need to do this. And for someone who felt like a pretty high level of anxiety all the time to have that quiet moment and to hear something in that, I was like, all right, all right, let's, let's do it. We'll, we'll just take the first step and see what happens. So the next morning, I got up, I called Outward Bound um, to ask my first question, which was, okay, if I put a deposit down, how, how long can I get the 100% refund? <laughs> and, um, they were very gracious, and they said, you know, like, I just apply, you know? And so I said, all right. I'm just gonna take the first step. Um, and this makes me think of the, um, the scripture that Sarah was reading of, um, you know, Peter has this moment of being like, but we tried it all night, and I've already done this. And just having the moment of, huh, okay, well, let's let's try. Let's try one more time, let's shift how we're doing this. So I applied, I did an interview, I got in, and then the steps just kept coming and coming. I had to do all these physical workouts. I um, had to get this whole gear list. So I spent, I went probably once or twice a week to REI during this time. I was there so frequently that people started to think that I worked there. So (laughs) So I had to stop wearing green so that people wouldn't be upset when I didn't know the answer to their questions. So, and this is before this all even started, right? So I finally have my gear, I had to. I applied for a scholarship so that I could afford to pay for it, all of this. So we finally get to October of 2020 and I drive up to Leadville and my partner drops me off, I get out of the car, there are nine other strangers and two instructors and she starts to drive away and I think, uh-oh, uh, I'm here now, this is really happening. Um, and to be honest, that feeling didn't go away at the beginning. Um, outward bound is, is very, very challenging. It is physically and mentally exhausting. So after we had been all tested for COVID and became like a family pod, um, we went out into the backcountry. And the first night we were out there, It was so windy we couldn't sleep. And then the second day we woke up to snow. So this fall expedition was suddenly a winter expedition. And it was absolutely miserable. I was freezing and I went up to my instructor. She was making herself a cup of coffee and I kneeled down next to her and I said, I don't think I can do this. What am I doing out here? Like, I'm afraid to drive by myself to Target. I can't do this, and she said no, I, you can do this, and I know that you can do this. You are capable of this, and I just hope that you don't take it from yourself. And so I packed all my stuff into my bag, and that day we hiked up a mountain pass in a snowstorm, hiked back down that mountain pass in a snowstorm, pitched our shelters, I think we got somewhere around six inches of snow overnight, and the thing that shifted though was that that night all of us stayed up and talked to each other. It was so cold, but all of us were laughing and having a great time. Also it was the first time that I had ramen noodles mixed with instant mashed potatoes and butter, which may sound awful, but if you're in the backcountry, it's a real delicacy. And something just really started to shift. We The hard things didn't stop coming. We were still doing the same hike, 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 until you don't think you can anymore and then hike some more and then cook dinner. Um, but we learned in our community of people how to do the hard things together. Um, and for me, it was really beautiful to find a group of nine strangers, particularly during the pandemic um, and being able to like, be exactly myself, and to like have people like love and want to be around that, um, and so. In doing all of these hard things, we gave ourselves a nickname for climbing all o- over all of these trees. We called ourselves the Deadfall Navigators, um, and we also just learned to like love all of the food that we were eating, no matter what was, ha- no matter what it was. Um, one of my favorites was we were. Um, it was one of our last nights out of that country, and we had done. Um, this another big another big mountain pass and we were, there were some leftover Fig Newton cookies and we were all eating Fig Newtons and then at one point someone realized that some of the crumbs had fallen into the snow. And so we all like hands and knees got down on the ground and started eating the crumbs out of the snow. And when it was all done, one of the women that I was on the trip with said, I don't even like Fig Newtons. <laughs> So here we are. Um, So we spent our first half out in the Rocky Mountains and then we moved out into Utah. And I could go on and on about Utah, but I will try to just stick to um, one part of it. So towards the end of my time, I went on a three-day solo expedition. Um, Solo is another one of those um, pretty fundamental pieces of um, Outward Bound and just kind of how they run their expeditions. So I was completely alone with my own little tarp. Just a few essentials. Um, I think I still remember every single piece of food that I had because those were like the highlights of the day. Um, And I was just out there by myself. I didn't have a watch. I didn't have a headlamp. I didn't have a book. um, But I had a journal. And so I just started writing and reflecting, and thinking about my life, and writing, and writing, and writing. And on the second day, the sun came out after more snow, um, and it was just so warm and so lovely, and I spent the whole day writing. And as the sun was starting to set, um, I heard these kind of thunderous footsteps behind me. And I started to think, I was like, who? What? What is that? Who was that? Is this one of our instructors? Like, what's going on? And I turned around, and it was two wild horses. And, and um, there was just this another kind of moment of this very like profound silence. And they were close enough to me that I could see the moisture on their noses, and I could see their breath hanging in the air. And I just looked at them. And they looked at me, and we all kind of took a breath, and then they kept running down this valley. And I remember feeling very emotional, and then these words kind of came to my head of, not one more day, not fully alive. And I said them a couple times to myself, and then I started walking around my little campsite, making, doing circles saying, not one more day, not fully alive. Not one more day, not fully alive. And I've really tried in my life to continue to live um, by that mantra. Um, And it's really um, pretty significantly changed um, the way that I approach decision making now. Um, And some of the things that I've learned is that um, being able to take decisions very step by step, and finding victory in each step, and yeah, not needing, not needing to see the end to start at the beginning. Um, and I think another thing as well is learning how to approach risk and decisions with curiosity. Um, so sort of before it would have been like, well, but what if this happens? But now for, in my life, it's more of a, okay, but what if this happens? It could be exciting. What if everything's about to change? Um, and I think lastly, um, really kind of learning to kind of push myself to kind of step out of that comfort zone to as much as I can to say yes instead of no um, and kind of learning how to, to take that chance and being open to the possibility that everything in my life may be about to change and that that can be a good thing. So thank you all so much.
0: What a gift. Thank you, Alyssa. Wow, so how have you all found your way? I never thought of it this way, but maybe Jesus was the first outward bound leader. (laughs) Right? You can do this hard thing. We'll do it together. There's something else for you to connect with other than the thoughts in your head. It's funny because this title, um, Finding Your Way, evoked something for our office person, Jen. Usually when it comes to making the bulletin, you know, I, I just give her a few words and say, you know, just see what comes to you, leaving room for creativity. and. She sent me all these pictures, and the one on the cover is for Alyssa, because I knew she was going to talk about Outward Bound. But there's another picture in the bulletin, the sea turtle picture. And I was like, so tell me about what made you think of sea turtles. She got super excited and started telling me about sea turtles, and then she got a little nervous because she was telling me about sea turtles. She's like, just look it up. So I did and it was really worth it because I don't know if you know this about sea turtles and this isn't unique just to sea turtles but it's unique to other animals. It's uh, other animals experience this as well but as hatchlings, these sea turtles establish courses to the open sea and then even maintain them beyond the site of land. You've seen pictures of the, yep, getting a lot of knots. And then as young juveniles, they follow complex migratory pathways that lead across oceans and back, and as adults from feeding ground to specific mating and nesting areas, and then they return to other feeding sites. And so what they found is that the movement from place to place is linked to an ability to navigate the open sea, obviously. But how do they do that? How do they navigate the open sea? Well, it turns out they do it by using magnetoreception, by detecting the Earth's magnetic field. That's one of many cues that guides the newly hatched turtles as they migrate offshore and into the sea for the very first time and further out to sea, the magnetic fields function as navigational markers, like buoys would to a boat. And they elicit changes in the swimming direction at different points along the migratory route. Older juveniles actually learn magnetic topography of the area where they live, and they develop magnetic maps. And there was this experiment, you know, so they learned all this, scientists learned all this about turtles, and then they decided to do an experiment. What they did was they captured adult female turtles that had come ashore on a remote island in the Indian Ocean to lay their eggs. So after they laid the eggs, they took the sea turtles, And by boat, they took them 60 to 75 miles away. And they were released into the ocean without, um, and they were released into the ocean with satellite transmitters attached to their shells so that the people could track them. There were no turtles lost in this. And they wanted to see the paths. And there were three groups. The first group had magnets attached to their heads just prior to being released. So they took them in this boat all these miles away with a magnet on their head. Then they took the magnet off, put them in, and was like, okay, good luck. The second group had magnets attached during transport, or the whole time, Sorry, so there was the transport group that had a a magnet and then it was taken off. And then there was another group that didn't get the magnet until they were placed back in the water far away. And then the third group was a control group. They had a little disc put on them but it was not magnetic in any way. So you can begin to imagine how the magnet would mess them up if they're relying on magnetic fields. And what they learned was that almost all the turtles eventually returned to the island. And when movements that were caused by currents were taken out of the equation, there was a really clear pattern. The control turtles, the ones that did not have a magnet, swam more directly or most directly to the island where they started where the hatchlings were, where they laid their eggs. And the two groups that had been exposed to the magnets had more circuitous roots. When it comes to finding your way, which one characterizes you the best? I'm circuitous all the way. (laughs) And perhaps you can name some of the magnets that were placed on you some that you might have put on yourself, the capacity to learn how to read, life in general. I mean, we are creatures of the earth. We are made of the same stuff. We have the inner capacity to live in harmony with all of creation. And I think it's fair to say that at different points, we lose our way. It's even fair to say that as a people, sometimes we have and do lose our way. Constantly choosing how to navigate the open sea of our lives. And so the question remains, what's guiding us? What guided Alyssa? Where was your moment of stillness and a small voice or a wild horse or a partner that said, have you ever thought about? Carl Jung said once that the world will ask you who you are. And if you say you don't know, the world will tell you. At some point, and often at many points in our life, we have to know who we are. And as a community of faith, it's not just who we are, it's whose we are. In our story this morning, the fishermen had fished all night. They did it using the practices and the techniques that they knew. It was the current understanding of how to fish. They fished at night so that the fish couldn't see the net. And what does Jesus say? Push out further, go deeper and throw the nets off the other side. That's a different understanding, a different way of fishing. And after that huge catch, they left everything behind. When I hear that, I think of that as attachments to wealth and power and control. These fishermen were likely not poor. They had their own boats. They had a crew that worked for them. They worked in teams. It was a lucrative business. They left it behind. In Jesus, they encountered a different way of life. The good news of God's kingdom. A different empire a different economic system, a different industry, even. You will become fishers of people. These fishermen were probably bilingual because they were interacting with deep people at the port from different countries. They had good economic skills. They knew their math. They knew what the value of the fish were and how to sell them and how to make them into something that would be preserved for those who weren't just eating fresh fish. There was no refrigeration. They had teams of people that they worked with. They left all of that behind. They took their skills with them. We don't know why they followed. Something drew them though and they did and they stepped out into the unknown, a brand new path, a path that was marked energetically by the love, compassion, mercy, and justice of God. That energetic mapping is something we all have access to. We call it the Holy Spirit. So in the Christian faith, we meet Jesus, and we find our way through the guidance of God who is Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Many options of how to connect. And it's finding our way in the way that God is understood and lived in community. We say that all the time, we're practicing, right? We're practicing love. We're practicing how to be a community of love, how to be a community of peace, how to be a community of justice, how to be a forgiving community. In the Cotton Patch Bible, which is a different translation, I love it because when Simon Peter says, "'Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man,' The Cotton Patch Bible says, don't waste your time with me. There's nothing God would rather do than spend time with you. All those parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the... That's us. Cotton Patch Bible also changes another phrase. You know, it says that they left everything and followed him. What the Cottonwood Bible says is they left everything and lived like him. Guided by the deep knowing and connection that is always awake, always present, always Alive. What did Alyssa say? Not one more day, not fully alive. Is that what your mantra was? Not one more day, not fully alive. The invitation of Christ, the invitation of Jesus, the invitation of God, whichever one you connect to is to be fully alive. And there's joy in that even when we're working for justice, even when we're facing things that are hard. Go deeper. Throw the nets to the other side. Don't keep fishing the same waters if you keep coming up empty. Leave the attachments behind to how things should be. Let them be how they are and let God change it. And step into a new way. That's the outward bound experience that changes everything when you come back to your day-to-day life. It's those moments apart that shift everything. And it's not something you just do once. Whether it's the Friday or Saturday hikes, or the, they used to be Wednesday night hikes, maybe they're Mondays now. We're going on retreat. I don't know, maybe outward bound, 30 days. So we're going to take some time. We're going to take some time in prayer. And I want to just invite you into the stillness of right now. So you may want to get comfortable in your seat. You may want to just soften your gaze and turn your attention to your breath. There are teachings that tell us that heaven and earth meet at that space in between an inhale and an exhale. So let's just together just take a gentle inhale. Notice the pause at the top and then an exhale. And then again, a pause sort of at the bottom of an exhale. And allow yourself to breathe in and pause and to exhale and pause. And just let that happen naturally for you, however your breath is moving at this moment.
3: And even with
0: movement and noises, just allow yourself to be still. And into this space, our choir is going to sing a piece of music that's intended as supportive and also guiding.
3: Good morning, I'm Steve Taney, uh, pronouns he, him, and his, and I'm happy to serve on the church council. And incidentally, we're trying to make membership of the church council more visible. So council members have this little uh, tag at the bottom of their name tag. So you look around and you might see other members of the church council. A uh, Very special welcome this morning to visitors and guests, and welcome back to those who have not been here for a while. It's always great to see you here. Um, Registration for La Forêt events for spring and summer is open. La Forêt offers tiered pricing for their retreats and camps. And UCC Longmont is committed to this ministry and has set aside campership funds so that if financial help would make it possible for your kids to attend, please contact Rob Cronin. Uh, He's at youthministry at ucclongmont.org. There is a free film being shown this afternoon at 2.30 at UCC Longmont, sorry, UCC Boulder. 2.30 at UCC Boulder. The film is called True Justice and it uh, tells the the, um, story of Brian Stevenson's work Um, seeking equal justice for people on death row uh, sponsored by NAACP. If you have any questions about the film please see D.D. Alspaugh. The men's group um, will meet tomorrow morning here at church at 9 a.m. and Lauren has a special announcement. Lauren?
2: Morning.
0: Um, I've put together a chamber choir of 10 singers. We're based out of Denver, and I'm really excited that we
2: will be having our first concert here on Friday um, at seven o'clock. There are tickets online, but we are also selling tickets at the door, which I think would be cheaper because there's not the ticketing fee. if you frequently buy tickets, you kind of understand what I mean by that. Um, But yeah, we're singing um, some traditional music. Uh, We're singing music from the 14th century as well as music from this century. Um, And yeah, I'm very excited about it. So please come if you're interested. The choir knows all about it. I tell them every week and I tell the bell choir every week. So (laughs) they'll be there um, and hopefully
0: you will too.
3: Thank you, Lauren. Um, Kelly Bronski has um, giving statements for the year 2023. Um, if you want one today, because you're about ready to file your tax return, uh, please see Kelly this morning. Along the same lines, if you would like to support UCC Longmont financially, you can give online at ucclongmont.org/giving, or you can use the offering boxes that are in the back wall of the sanctuary. We are always very grateful for your generosity. And I think that's it. So thank you all and have a great week.